Beginning from November 1st, when we celebrate the Solemnity of All Saints, and November 2nd, when we celebrate or pray for all souls, basically the entire month of November, the church intentionally puts before us eschatological readings, readings about the end time, readings about end of life. And as a matter of fact, even the, the religious decorations on our altar sometimes reflects that theme. If you look at the very end of our altar, you'll see a smaller altar where we place our intentions for our loved ones who have passed on to eternity. And it's not just because we like decorations, but it's precisely the kind of thematic, the kind of message that the church would encourage us to keep thinking about throughout the month of November um, until the first Sunday of Advent. And so the question I would like us to think about this morning is what is the kind of spiritual attitude we should have towards end of life, towards eschatological issues like death, judgment, dying, heaven, hell. And sometimes these topics can be very heavy. Um, sometimes they feel a little bit depressing. But that's precisely not what the church wants us to think about. Not so much about the darkness around it or the pain around it. So what is the spiritual attitude that the church would want us to reflect on or think about when we remember the end time? A few years ago, a family invited me for a farewell get-together for one of their family members who was at the end stage of a disease. And that was the first time I was going to attend an end-of-life party. Initially, I felt like it was like a contradiction. I didn't know how to feel about it. But I decided I was going to go. And I remember as I was driving to the house, you know, I was like, okay, what kind of mood should I put myself in? Is it a joyful mood or a sad mood? I didn't know how to feel, and that was the fact. But looking back, I really thank God I was able to attend that get-together because it's been the most memorable get-together I have attended in my life. The family decorated the living room in a festive way and rolled out the bed of the, the loved one who was passing, but she was still very strong and conscious for that day. So she was right at the middle of the living room, and guests and family and friends were all arriving. And, you know, we all took our turns to shake hands with her and smile and 
some cried, there was laughter, there was jokes. It was like a, a roller coaster of feelings. And as I sat there, you know, and I was looking at this parishioner I knew in a matter of weeks, this person is no longer going to be with us. Yet we are all, we're all gathered to celebrate her life. And there are some of the speeches that were made at that get-together that has remained vivid in my mind. People thanking her for what she'd, she'd been in their life. And this is not in her absence. This is right before her. And she was smiling and waving. And sometimes there was tears. And there was joy. And I remember when it came to my turn, I held her hand and I didn't know what to say. I'm good in words, but for, for the first time in my life, I didn't know what to say. But I knew that I was happy that I met her. I knew I was joyful for the kind of life she had lived. And I remember when I shook her hand and said, Father, don't stop singing. And I was like, yeah, I won't stop. I won't stop. And that's how she remembers me, that that was that priest who sings once in a while. And to today, that get-together, I believe, is really the essence of what it means to think about end of life. It's not supposed to be completely something that should weigh us down, but it should really be a gesture of gratitude. That life, be it at the beginning or be it at the end, it's all about gratitude to God for all he's been to us. Yes, sometimes departures are painful. Passing of loved ones can be very painful. And that's precisely what the readings are getting at today. Scriptural scholars will call, that, will call them apocalyptic writings. And one of the, the marks of apocalyptic writings is that we may not have to read everything literally. That's not the point. So when the, the gospel says that there will be wars and insurrections and nations will fight against nations, there will be hunger, there will be doom, there will be gloom, that is the typical way of apocalyptic literature. The whole idea is to hyperbolate so as to get our, atten our attention. But what is the essence of the readings today is not so much about the, the, the doom and the gloom. It's much more about the promise at the end of the pain. So let's take a quick look at the gospel where Jesus says, when they bring you before synagogues and bring you through persecutions, don't even worry about what you're going to say. Don't worry about your defense, because I, the Lord, will be your defense. That's the first promise, that the Lord is our protection. Yes, we are mortal. Yes, there might be a time that our time comes to an end, 
But Jesus says that even through those pains, through those disappointments, through those frustrations, that God himself is your defense, he's your protector, he's your provider. He goes on in that gospel to also say that, you know what? Not a hair on your head can be destroyed. Isn't that such a perfect assurance? That regardless of the angst that can come as we sometimes think about end of life, the anxiety that can come about the future, what is it for me and my children? I know I've had once, you know, a, a, a friend who was facing end of life and the concern was, what happens to my children? And, and he said, I don't, I'm not afraid of dying, but how about my children? And that's it, a natural fear. That's a natural anxiety. What happens to my loved ones? What happens to my family? What happens to me? What is eternity to me? And Jesus tells us, even with all those anxieties and fears, not a strand of your hair can be destroyed. And so it's really about courage, about hope, that regardless of what we face in life, regardless of the kinds of pain and sickness that our loved ones face in life, there is an assurance that God's protection is abundant. And then one final promise, and actually an encouragement, is that given all these promises that Jesus grants us, what then should be our attitude to end of life? So we're back to the initial question. St. Paul gives us an answer or gives us a clue where some people decided that the end time was so close, so what was the point of laboring? Why take up a job that you have to wake up at four in the morning and be there at six in the morning and every day you are toiling and toiling and toiling? Why don't you just sit in your bed or sit on your couch and drink caramel macchiato and just wait for the end time? And Paul is like, no, 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 get about your business. Just do what you do normally. Don't worry about the end time. Just love yourself, love your family, do your work, do the normal things of life, and don't worry about those tragedies. And that is the whole point of Jesus telling us in the gospel about perseverance. Perseverance. And so... If we were to summarize our, our message this morning, it's really about courage, about reassurance of God's love, of God's protection. You know, sometimes I go for, to see my doctor and I do blood work and then, um, or I will call you later and then I'm in class and I see a number from my doctor, my heart is racing, poo, poo, poo. So what is it now? Why are they calling me? And then it turns out it's really nothing. They just want to call you and say, okay, see you next month or see you in six months. But that, that's the way our minds are wired. We, we, we tend to catastrophize. We tend to worry about the worst case scenario. 
But the readings today says, don't worry. Don't worry about your health. Don't worry about your family. Don't worry about anything. Because not a strand of hair on your head will fall without the Lord being aware of it. Let us continue to thank him for the power of his word, for the comfort and for the courage that he gives to us. Amen.